0: hello folks and welcome to another episode of on my Mind. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine that I've known since he was born. that's Andrew Kimball and we're delighted to have you with us Andrew to talk about a lot of fun stuff.
1: Thanks for having me Shelley.
0: Well I'd like to start out as I do with all of our guests. Give us some of your background where you were born, raised etc.
1: Thanks. Again, thanks for having me on and thinking of all the guests you've already had on here. I'm just like, wow, what do I have to offer? Um, but I'll just speak from the heart, I guess. So I'm I'm an Athenian. Um, uh, I guess it started back a long time ago when my mom and dad met at First National Bank and then had my sister Whitney in 83 and then I was born in 87, Dr. Bledsoe here in town. He delivered me and uh, i went through the athens city school system i went to ingleside and north city and the junior high school um, and just grew up in this town and was shaped by this small town and have met um, many many amazing people the thing i want to mainly say is though i am so grateful uh, for the hand that i've been dealt and uh, i am fully aware that I was given a head start by the the family that i have and and the people that they've surrounded me with so um, i think that has a lot to do with who i am today
0: well it's been exciting for me andrew as i say to a lot of folks now that i'm one of the old guys around to watch you grow up watch you develop into the excellent young man that you are we're going to talk about your career in a few moments and then we had sis on mm-hmm. in a previous uh podcast and She was excited in the same way to get back home after a career, uh, education, and it's just it's wonderful because your family certainly has meant an awful lot to me personally. We've been good friends for a long time, but share with our listeners uh, after you finished in the city system, went to McMinn, Mm -hmm. uh, you were in uh, sports there. Share with a little bit of that and then how that moved you on to your college choice and your choice of majors. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I went to Meckman County High School after the Athens City school system. And um, growing up, I had been big time into sports, um, playing music. And uh, so I played basketball, played soccer, all different types of things. And then I, I pretty much just decided on soccer that that was something I was uh, I had some talent with that. So I, I spent most of my high school career playing soccer and traveling around with my dad. We did the whole club soccer thing, we drove to Florida, to Arkansas, stayed in hotels. I can't imagine all the money that <laughs> they spent to set me up to play college soccer. And that was that was a dream of mine growing up. So I, I played at McMinn and then I got recruited, um, King College, which is now King University in Bristol, Tennessee, and that is pretty neat because my my mom has some roots uh, up there as well, being a uh, the daughter of a Methodist minister, Mr. George, Dr. George E. Naff. So, anyways, I got to go up to Bristol, Tennessee, and spend four years up there playing soccer. It was an NAIA school, um, so we got to be with a lot of international players. So I got to learn a lot about different cultures from these guys, and to just play at the college level was just a, a dream come true. While there, I pretty much became interested in, in the teaching profession, and I can I can expand on that too, but I had a great experience in Bristol, Tennessee, and it was just far enough away to get away from the small town of Athens, about three <laughs> hours, but the safety of being able to come back home and, and see my family and do laundry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and 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 coming home because I think we all enter at some point in our lives. I did the same thing in Chattanooga, but I did it in reverse. Mm-hmm. Growing up in Chattanooga, University of Chattanooga, which is now the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, I wanted to get away to a smaller town. Mm-hmm. Wound up here at uh, Tennessee Wesleyan. Back then, we called it teeny weeny because it was such <laughs> a small school. Uh, We always had to say we were halfway between Knoxville and Chattanooga when people said Athens, never heard of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a delight that you and Sis both made your way back after that period of time. And then majoring in the education field is such a a blessing for so many people. And take us through, as you were finishing up, what you were looking at and where you were headed back to for this career in education. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, at King College, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to major in or do. I was just focused on soccer. So I took an introduction to education class, and you know, two weeks in, I was like, "There's no way." I'm all this lesson planning and uh, just just a lot of uh, organization that I that I needed to work on. So then I, I stepped away from that and I said, "Okay, maybe I'll follow my dad's path and be in business." And, you know, spreadsheets and things like that. So I took a class and realized I hated that. That was not <laughs> fun whatsoever. So I went back to education, took all the, uh, um, you know, more specialized classes, higher level classes, and I did my student teaching um, in history. So I may I ended up majoring in history and minoring in secondary education. But I did my uh, my student teaching placement in Bristol City Schools, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, I did a placement in high school teaching um, U.S. history to juniors. And then the second half, I did a seventh grade teaching uh, world geography. Mm-hmm. And I was just excited to go every day. And, and the main thing that I can, I can take away from this is I wanted to be inspired. And there's nothing like being around all age groups of kids, but middle schoolers Especially, they're just goofy and fun. And then (laughs) high schoolers, too, they push you because they ask a lot of questions and the why questions. And so that was very inspiring to be around. And that's that's pretty much why I decided, all right, I'm going to do this.
0: And then final decision, I guess, coming back home, as Mm -hmm. we say, what brought you to that point? Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah, I was trying to decide... Am I gonna stay up there and do a master's and do a be a graduate assistant on the soccer team? That was an option, but then I realized I wanted to come home and, and just go ahead and start teaching. During this time, this summer lull, I worked at Web Heating and Air and learned a lot of things. <laughs> I am uh, those of you who know me know me. I'm not I'm not a maintenance kind of person. My wife <laughs> Lou is, uh, but during this time, I met my wife Lou. And we met at the arts center, and um, and I can expand on that too. But yeah. you're asking about coming back home. I basically got a job working at the middle school that I went to at Athens Junior High School.
0: I think I think that's what always makes me feel good as a, as an older person in the community, watching folks come back and be a part of where you became you if Mm -hmm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. and getting back to the junior high which which now as we all know is called the middle school and tell us now because you've you've stayed within that uh, and we're going to get to the uh, art center music Mm -hmm. part of your your life in a minute but Mm -hmm. keep going with the education Mm -hmm. you were teaching what when you were hired at the junior high Mm -hmm.
1: so I was hired to teach the alternative school and that was basically um, students who who were in need of more individual support. maybe they had had uh, problems in the main stream classroom. Maybe they'd been in trouble uh, with the law. They were on probation, things like that. And that was my first placement. And I loved it. if, uh, you know, if I were to go back to the classroom today i would I would choose doing that because, that was super meaningful to build these relationships with students who hadn't been given the hand that I was dealt. That's mainly what I found out was that, wow, I'm so lucky to be born to the people I was born to. And it, it you know, could have been diff I could I could have been in that class if, if the you know, the coin was flipped. So I did that. And then uh, the next year, I, I joined the sixth grade team and I taught sixth grade, World history, Egypt, Mesopotamia, Rome—all the fun stuff—and I did that for about six years. And then uh, I became an instructional coach for a couple of years, and that's where you, um, for those who don't know, pretty much lead little learning communities of teachers, and and you talk about student data and growth and all that. So I did that for a couple of years and kind of got my leadership underneath and, and while I was doing that I was doing I did a master's at Lee University in teaching American history. Uh, I then did a EDS which is an educational specialist degree at, from uh, Lincoln Memorial University in instructional leadership so I got my principal license there. At that point I went to eighth grade and taught eighth grade U.S. history and I did that for two years and that was fun as well. And then I got hired to be a supervisor in the Athens City Schools, so I knew I wanted to be an administrator. I just didn't know the route that I would have to take or need to take to do that. Uh, that's It's typically a, you become an instructional coach, then an assistant principal, and then a principal, and then a supervisor. But I, uh, a supervisor position came open, and I got super lucky to interview, and they and they gave me the job, and it was... It was, it was awesome. It was a great feeling, but it was also, I was felt super inferior, and, you know, <laughs> it's amazing how many, how your body reacts to those things, too, you know, so uh, I've been doing that job for about, uh, this is my fifth year, and about three years into this job, I went back to school um, at the University of the Cumberlands and got my doctorate in educational leadership. So... I am basically, if, if people are you know listening to this, they've ever heard of enneagrams. It's a way you can describe your personalities. I think I'm a three, um, and that's kind of just a, I guess an achiever you could say. Uh, there's lots of good things that come with that, but then there's also uh, you know that inferiority complex too of maybe I'm not good enough. You know, so um, that's pretty much my professional. Uh, history right now so again i'm in year five of being a supervisor of federal programs um, technology testing and now i'm i'm doing safety for athens city schools and we are in the middle of a move right now which is a big to do in athens (laughs) and uh but it's 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 exciting for the future and you being a uh, a board member for many years you know it's neat to be sitting here with you as part of that history
0: You can tell, folks, that Andrew is and will always be a lifelong learner, and he's doing a marvelous job. I was on the school board back in the late 70s to to late 80s and now have been the official school board physician for over 40 years. They tell me they can't find anybody else, (laughs) even though I'm retired, but I love working with them, and I love seeing what Andrew and the others do from the central office. And then to be able to go into this Big brand new school project, and looking forward myself to reading to some of the students that uh, that I did last year. But it's it's a marvelous thing, and and what uh, Andrews has done in his time in supervising has been great. Because there's a ton to learn that you all can imagine, and and there's no way. And Andrew knows me well, and you folks who've listened to a number of these episodes uh, know that that my thing about Bragging on people is is true from the heart. He's done a marvelous job. I do understand inferiority complexes. Mm-hmm. I remember my very first surgery as as a resident uh, in training being scared to death that I could not tie somebody's tubes and mm-hmm. and yet we made it through under supervision. And we were fine. Mm-hmm. then the careers follow now let's segue into what uh Andrew does beautifully and and take us into the development of of the music side of your being and and especially uh the the development of your band tell the folks uh about that and bring us forward with some of that detail yeah
1: it's it's interesting thinking about my mom and my dad and my sister and um all the the gifts they have given to me you know my dad helped me i think with my professional life and Soccer and all those things, and, and direction, and also music. But then you have my mom, Ellen, who has a rich history of music, and she's a, a great musician in her own right, and my sister as well, wonderful in theater, singing. All that has given me this other part that is basically... it. Maybe it's the thing that I've... It's my dream, really, of wanting to do, but it's just not a possibility. But uh, I learned how to play some instruments. Uh, in seventh grade, my grandmother, Mary Ellen Knaff, bought me a Pearl drum set, and I just banged <laughs> on that thing. And Whitney uh, wanted to move out of the house. <laughs> and, uh, and I still love playing drums to this day. But uh, then my, my neighbor lived down the street. His name was John. He, uh, he was taking guitar from Scott Lombard. Just he uh, works downtown here, and he taught me three chords, and I learned that I could play lots of songs with three <laughs> chords. You know about that, yeah. Shelley. And so, and I also could play alone, and I could perform. And I, you know, being a drummer, it's hard to do it all. So um, I picked up the guitar, and I've really been playing probably since seventh grade, and just gaining a little more confidence. I've, I haven't had a whole lot of formal training. But I, I've I've done many things, mainly surrounded uh, at at the art center. So growing up at the art center was pretty much our playground. Um, my mom was the executive director there for many many years, so I got to go in there when you know six p.m. when doors closed and I got up on stage and I could practice and I could pretend like I had a big crowd out there. And it's interesting today at 36, here I am getting to do the same thing, but there's people out there and, uh, you know, Shelley's up there sometimes with us playing harmonica or, or whatever, he's in the light booth. But so that, that's kind of the, the music side of me. Um, how we, uh, came together with what I have now is meeting my wife Lou we uh, met in June of 2010. It was an evening with the stars show. And her and her sister needed a guitarist. And um, here, here I was. And I saw her and she saw me. And we became friends. And then we started playing together. Uh, and then we created a band, us and uh, her sister Jen and uh, Liz Schreck, uh, who was Liz Thigpen at the time. And uh we start a band called September Song and we've been playing ever since. And it, it's it's you know, changed over over the years. Um but the, the core band right now is Lou and myself, Joe Littleton, Kyle Littleton, and Nathan Crisp. And we do, you know, like weddings or um events here in town. Um so we, we have a have a good time doing that.
0: And folks, they have branched out into many other communities and uh, just had a great session near us in Cleveland, Tennessee. Wonderful crowd. They can do any type of music, and that's like he's saying. It could be just him and Lou singing soft music for for a wedding or the whole band putting out wonderful stuff that we enjoy, and, and the crowds get bigger and bigger, and as we are moving toward a new development at our local arts center three actual new buildings the black box where andrew and the group perform all the time and they are the house band uh is becoming renovated somewhat and we're bringing people in i think andrew lauren brown the executive director and i've chatted from gosh i don't know how many states now to see programs not just uh the fact that it's music programs, but I need to tell you that, that Andrew has a very dramatic side to him. I've watched him in a number of theater productions. And, and what do you prefer sometimes? I've asked Sis this on the podcast. Do you prefer your music man side or your theater man side?
1: Good question. I, I, I think I, I mainly prefer my music side. of I, I don't feel as confident unless I have a guitar between me and the audience. Um, if it's just me and my voice, uh, I, I definitely feel more vulnerable. Um, but I, I haven't actually performed in a, in like a, a theater production in a few years. I did. I was in Pippin. I was in Into the Woods, and I had a great time. And that was before we had Taylor. Now I have been in the house band of those things. We just did. Uh, what's the one we just did? The School of Rock, and I yeah. got to play drums on that, so that was really cool. But you know, having kids too, it it limits what both your spouse and you can do because Lou, she can. She's the triple threat. I mean, she can. <laughs> she can do it all, and um, you know, I know my mom and dad used to talk about how they had to trade off who was going to go do this at this point and who was going to do that because it's really hard to have young kids at home and to do the same thing.
0: Well, and especially when you're into theater and sports and all that, growing up, who do we go see perform Mm -hmm. this if it's the same night kind of stuff? Tell us a little about your sweet daughter, Taylor. She's Mm -hmm. precious.
1: Yeah. She is uh, just turned eight this past week Mm -hmm. and she is... All I can say is she is her own person. She is um, my favorite girl in the whole world. And I will always um, push her to be who she is. And uh, I, I will say, I think eight-year-old girls are like the best humans on the planet. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll say that when she's nine or ten. Or, But, I mean they are empathetic and kind and silly and they just say what's on their mind and they still have tantrums every now and again it's all of the the things that make life worth living Um, but it's also so painful because you know it's such a short moment in time and uh, I just want to bottle it up so when I need it later on in life because you get so bogged down in all the things that you're doing right now sometimes you don't slow down to live in the moment and that's me most of the time but that that girl is a is a uh, she's a goofball just that's really all I can say about her
0: well and for us to watch one more generation of your family start growing up is is awesome and as you're aware uh, I've had the great pleasure many moons ago of two daughters four granddaughters. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do with a male in the family <laughs> other than son in law's, but but you're absolutely right. And and as you're saying from the heart, they are really special. And always daddy's little girls and then grandgirls when you reach mm-hmm. that point. So it's exciting. Now, you're going through kind of a major change in the family. Mm-hmm. Sis and her family, mm-hmm. uh, husband Matt, the two girls, are going to be moving very, very soon. Tell the audience a little bit about that because we actually didn't get to do that on Whitney's podcast mm-hmm. because the the timing for hers was occurring about the time she was applying. And mm-hmm. she said, "Shelly, we can't do that on the show yet. And mm-hmm. I said, ah, this will be a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But share with the audience what's about to happen in, in her life.
1: Yeah, so as an update, my sister, Whitney Kimball Coe, uh, she is a brilliant mind and a just a um, brilliant person in general human being who cares for all and um, she is uh, received a call to uh, go to Divinity school at Yale University up in Connecticut and she's been on a, a two-year journey with this and she's been talking to Mother Claire and, uh, and who you had on the show here as well and She had a whole group of people who who she was talking with to to get to this point. But anyways, they are leaving here in a couple weeks to move to Connecticut and they have an apartment up there. Um, They're moving her and Matt and Lucy and Susie and they are going to be starting a new life up there for the next three years. The girls will be going into seventh and fourth grade. Not sure where they're going to school yet. Um, Matt got a seventh grade teaching position, teaching special ed up there, and then Whitney's going to be doing school, and uh, she'll be in rotations, I'm sure, of you know, counseling and then hospitals and all sorts of things. But th- the main thing is, she is—they all are—so so brave, and uh, are are so—they understand that life, I think, is is a series of chapters and in these 10 years we can do this and the next 10 years we can do that and whereas i stay in my little box a lot of times like no it's it's all about safety and um i i'm in awe and i hope i know this my mom says this this will change them and this will change us it's as hard as it is we've been through the the grieving stages because we pretty much all live in the Kimball compound which is you know a few houses from each other we could throw a baseball and hit the other person's window but and we have one child and our child is best friends with Susie and Lucy and you know this is gonna help them all grow as well and um, it's, it's a good thing we are in the acceptance stage of the grieving process and um, we are happy and it gives us another place to go to, to go visit but um, we will still be alone sometimes crying but that's okay
0: well and it's it's an interesting way you present it beautifully because those of us who moved on from where we were in our safe zone to do the post grad education and in my case being to memphis from chattanooga for medical school judy my wife grew up in athens small community many many nights of grieving in Memphis, Tennessee, and at the time we were there, it was well over half a million people, mm-hmm. and the cultural shock is just amazing, and you're absolutely right. The growth, the the new adventures, the fact that you all get to go visit and mm-hmm. see uh, a different space, uh, the new adventures there, uh, and then as they make their way back through all this educational. Uh, situation and make their way back home we all hope mm-hmm. to east tennessee this is going to be fascinating mm-hmm. and and seeing that growth itself and and we're very excited for her as i've told her many times and matt and the girls so it's it's going to be a wonderful scenario mm-hmm. i think when it's when it's finished but you're right during the process a lot of a lot of aches and, mm-hmm. and bumps but it, it will come out just fine mm-hmm. now take us through andrew in the uh, a little bit for our, our regional listeners mm-hmm. uh, about our new school the development of that you were part of that in in discussions And how we've gone from our quote-unquote neighborhood schools, as you and Whitney grew up in, Mm -hmm. to this, as somebody described the other day, this beautifully monstrous Mm -hmm. building with a lot of kids being piled in. That's not a negative, folks, because it was necessary. But take us through those steps, how we've arrived there.
1: Sure. So Athens City Schools has a, a rich history here in Athens, Tennessee, by having neighborhood schools, Ingleside, um, City Park, North City, West Side—they've been here for over a hundred years, and and um, you know I live right next to Ingleside, and, and thinking of it, not holding kids anymore is 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 hard to take, and it, it's been the grieving process I think for the whole community for the past few years. But it just it came to a point where um, we needed to consolidate because financially it just didn't make sense to keep up old buildings. Luckily you know the only way we could actually do this and to build a new building to consolidate four schools into one building which is actually this one building is two schools a primary and an intermediate but the only way that this could happen was if we uh raise the sales tax and um, in 2019 i believe it was you know we had pretty much this campaign to educate the community about this and the needs of these school buildings and the future of Athens City Schools and to continue to preserve this reputation that we have had through the many, many years that we have to think forward. And do by doing that, we were going to build a new building. And we passed the sales tax and then that pretty much set the the stage for, all right, we're going to build this building and it is right next to Athens Junior High School, Athens City Middle School now. And it's going to be all on this one big campus. And we've been in this building process for a couple of years. We luckily got a bid for this thing um, right before the the market exploded. We uh, this building is is monstrous, um and beautiful, and it is going to have all the things that I want my tailor to have in it. There are there's music classrooms, obviously. There's art classrooms. There's STEM classrooms, there's state-of-the-art gyms, sound equipment, state-of-the-art classrooms with audio and uh, technology. The wi-fi we have in this place is amazing. The the We have 95 cameras throughout this whole thing, so thinking about safety. Uh, the playground itself is going to, has, it's brand new but it's also got that rubber floor on the bottom of it so if you know a kid falls they're just going to bounce right back up. <laughs> um, and then across the street, we're gonna have this beautiful uh, ball fields. We're gonna have a high school grade soccer field. We're gonna have a, a baseball slash softball field, and they're all it's all gonna be turf. We're redoing the tennis courts, and um, it's basically just gonna be one one big campus. Uh, but honor, all the while honoring Ingleside, City Park, North City, Westside, and the rich history that they have, but bringing that all together so we can put all these resources um, on this campus here. You know, there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be the grieving process still. But we are, uh, it, it's the right decision for our kids. It's the right decision for our community. And Athens is saying yes to the future of... Uh, educating its children
0: well and and andrew too andrew would never brag about this but he pretty well ran the campaign on the tax uh issue because i think all of you listeners no matter where you live understand well i don't want to pay more taxes for this that and the other and when i served on the school board years ago same situation they didn't want to improve certain things with education because they wanted something else done and I can say as a long-term citizen, Andrew can now uh, and others, this is what we need to do to stimulate the future. you have to and and this building and the structure itself is is not as important as what Andrew's describing what's inside, what's in the hearts of the teachers. and then these students will have this marvelous marvelous uh, education and and uh, lifelong learning type situation so when Andrew was there getting I can say and he can say it, mm-hmm. negative feedback from citizens he worked diligently he worked very very long and hard uh, to convince people at a bunch of meetings why it was necessary and when it passed I still remember being down there mm-hmm. when the vote came out the excitement for all of us young people, senior citizens, those of us, my wife, a former teacher Mm -hmm. uh, at City Park for 20 something years. uh, We were so excited at, at what you had done with your crew, convincing this community, and now they are convinced. Yes, there'll be some of this grieving. No, I miss City Park, I miss North City, blah, blah, blah. But the reality, folks, for those of us who have watched educational processes for many years, This is gonna be one fantastic experience as they move through it. So as we stay positive, as Andrew and the central office stay positive, we're just tickled pink that you were able to get that through and and begin to see this. And once the dedication takes place, it's gonna be even uh, a grander type uh, episode. So we're tickled and that goes all the way back to what he's talking about. Groundwork, groundwork, groundwork. Uh, has produced this marvelous marvelous structure Uh, and as as we say in any new venture it doesn't matter where you are uh, there will be some kinks those kinks will be worked out easily with Andrew and the rest of the central office staff doing this we're very proud of you all for doing this now what advice Andrew would you give currently because while the state of education is is great in some ways we know the teachers have stressors you have stressors what advice would you give to that young person who comes up to you they're 18 19 heading to college they feel sort of called to education through family or other things what advice can andrew give to that youngster about why they should consider going into education hmm.
1: that's a great question shelly you know Thinking about my experience here with with Whitney and them leaving and just mentioning the the chapters, you know, the, you know, you are evolving. You know, I think that's what I would say. I'd say you are evolving right now and you are, you don't probably have it figured out. You don't have to have it figured out. You might do something for another few years and then change directions. Uh, If education is the route you want to go, be prepared for, to be inspired by kids, to, um, go on field trips, be emotionally drained, um, have, have a, uh, have your heart broken, but knowing all the while that it is uh, helping you become a, a probably a decent human being. I think anyone in the education world, it, it helps, it helps create this, um, this just this this, this this you this type of person that makes you uh empathetic and and willing to lend out a hand to somebody there's nothing better than when I go out someplace and I see a former student and they say hey you were one of my favorite teachers or I love how you didn't you know come down on me hard about that I was going through a hard time or you just have an incredible um, ability to create connection with kids and that, that's what I would say to probably someone who wants to go into education just be ready for the good times and, and the heartbreak as well because there's a lot of people who uh, didn't have the the hand that you were probably dealt as for just in moving forward in, in their life I, I, I think about what I would tell Taylor and just hopefully to find your voice which I am still trying to find myself and uh, know that you are uh, special, and you are a gift from God, and and I, I hope that's what they would take with them, you know, and I'm saying that as much for them right now as I'm saying that for me, because I'm evolving as a 35-year-old as well.
0: Beautifully said, Andrew, beautifully said, and, and I think that is uh, clearly what education is about. Those of us who have been at the graduate level Somebody taught me. Somebody developed me. Somebody developed my personality into who I became as a young adult. And, and I don't think personally uh, that there is any better profession than education. And I think you said it beautifully, and it's just great. And I've loved having you on the program. Okay. I will get you back, and we'll get into a lot more music stuff. Yeah. And I'm always grateful now, friends, to Andrew for giving me my first opportunity to perform with a harmonica on stage <laughs> as nervous and inferior as I felt no. and how he's developed me through the years and, and the rest of the band accepting, uh, an old guy. And it's been a real treat to do that, and we'll look forward to doing it again soon. But uh, great to have you on the show. And, uh, folks, as I always say, if you have any questions, uh, please send them to me, Shelly Griffith, at shellgriff.com at gmail.com, S-H-E-L-G-R-I-F, at gmail.com. I can get back with Andrew, get you an answer in a further episode, or like I say, when we get him back on the program. And always, I wish for each and every one of you a safe and healthy day, and I'll see you a little further up the road.